This is the Foot in the Box podcast for the week of Monday, August 14th. episode 105 of the foot in the box podcast my name is peter elliott and i'm paul elliott this is a weekly baseball uh, podcast we are twin brothers from champaign illinois paul uh we are back from san fran how you feeling feeling good we've uh we spent a lot of time together this week uh it was uh it was good it's a good week um i would say i was slightly disappointed with san francisco but by and large, it was a really good trip. Yep, I would agree with that. Uh, I was maybe a little more disappointed than you, even, mm-hmm. with, with San Fran. But we'll get into that in a second. Um, intro to this week's podcast. Uh, there are only uh, six more regular season podcasts left after this one. So only about 50 games left in the season. I think less than 50 for most teams uh, when we're recording this. So we're down to the, the home stretch here. Uh, football is picking back up, but but the the playoff races are heating up in baseball. So stick with us, even with uh, football back. And I'm excited for football. I'm excited for Illinois football here in Champaign. Um, so we're not we're not totally anti football in this podcast. Anyway, who's, who's the better number ten in Chicago, Yohan Makata or Mitch Trubisky? Mitchell. Mitchell. Sorry. Uh, yeah, future of the city, right there. Yep. Uh, number ten is retired. By the Cubs, so Bronsino. That's right. Uh, intro to this week's podcast, 105. Uh, pretty normal show this week. Should be shorter than uh, a normal foot in the box episode. Going to discuss the big rally cat, kitten, I, rally kitten, rally kitten. I have a uh, a rally cat story of my own. Nice. Yeah, I feel like I was I was um, you, you the, were you I were, was the hero eight years before this. You were the precursor to. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. Uh, we have our big Summer Flicks uh, uh, announcement. The winners of the third annual Summer Flicks contest will be announced. Do the winners know they've won before listening to this? They don't. Wow. So uh, in about 10 minutes, we'll announce those. Uh, Going to discuss the best playoff scenarios for Major League Baseball, what they're hoping for in terms of interest and TV ratings and all that. Uh, and then Paul has what for TWTW? We're going to look at kind of an analysis that Craig Edwards did of three true outcomes. Which the, are, those three are home runs, strikeouts, and walks. That's correct. And uh, identifying what is driving the increase in three true outcomes. All right. Well, uh, before we get to all of that, quick Nelly update. Uh, tonight, August 12th, we're recording this on Saturday morning, uh, Nelly is playing a concert at Wrigley Field. Wow. So we could still make it, Paul. Do you know anyone going? I do not. He's playing his third uh, ballpark show of his current tour, uh, and he is on tour with Florida Georgia Line, so they're the, the headliners. And then for this leg, the Backstreet Boys have also joined in. So you get uh, Florida Georgia Line, Backstreet Boys, and Nelly that is at a, Wrigley tonight. That is a dynamite trio right there. <laughs> the lowest uh, ticket price to get in on StubHub right now to the Wrigley show. $25. One hundred and fifty-two dollars. Wow. Not worth it. Yeah, I think if you take uh, Florida Georgia Line out, that goes down a lot. I think they're pretty popular. I didn't realize the Backstreet Boys are still singing. Apparently, they are. Uh, they've also played at Fenway and Target Field in Minneapolis. So there you go. Uh, no, no response uh, to the hate mail from a couple weeks ago. By the way. <laughs> Let's move on to uh, our San Fran thoughts and some other general baseball musings. So my San Fran thoughts is that the weather sucked. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently early August is their winter. Which we failed to realize, or no one told us before we left. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so when we got there and we were kind of complaining about the weather, it was like in the 50s and 60s, very foggy, kind of drizzly. Uh, people were like, yeah, what did you expect? Mm-hmm. This is winter. There was a like three to four hour uh, sunny window 
from like 12 to four or five every day mm-hmm. or every day, but one. Yeah. I mean, that's like the best weather there was what champagne is like all the time. Right? <laughs> I, yeah. I don't know if you've experienced this though. Like when people ask about it, I feel, I feel kind of like entitled or a jerk saying the weather sucked. Yeah. Are you talking like work conversations? Right. Yeah. I just say it was great. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, there's there's no way to sugarcoat it. it the, that was probably the main takeaway was how bad the weather was. Yep. The uh, other main takeaways: Golden Gate Bridge was cool to look at, mm-hmm. but not much fun to walk across. But I do you enjoy a good walk? Uh, what do you mean? Like, are you a walker? Uh, no. I would say if you enjoy walking, it was fun. Yeah, it was just very stressful because you had on a on a maybe ten foot path. Ten foot, ten foot 15, wide. Fifteen, fifteen foot path. Fifteen foot wide. Yeah, you had bikers and walkers going yeah. both directions, so it was very stressful. Everyone's kind of uh, constantly like looking out to see if anyone's mm-hmm. any bikes going to run them over, or a, a biker's going to run over a pedestrian. And uh, it's really high up. I'm not a big heights guy. So yeah, you and John were kind of freaking out. It was cool. It's cool to look at. Cool to you know stand on one side and look, and you get some cool pictures. Uh, probably the highlight for me and I think for you was the Twitter headquarter tour. Yeah. Shout out to Twitter follower Jeremy. Yes, our friend uh, Jeremy. Thanks for that. Uh, it was really fun. Uh, it wasn't over the top. You know, it was just a, a cool business. And it sounds like, you know, even though Twitter's been in the news pretty negatively for a while in terms mm-hmm. of comparing them to to Facebook in terms of like revenue brought in, uh, it seems like it's a a solid company to work for and it was cool to just see how that uh, all functions yeah i mean they definitely uh like their offices and facility were super nice but it didn't feel over the top mm-hmm. felt like everything they had kind of enhanced their business like they didn't do anything extravagant mm-hmm. I, w- I would take the free breakfast and free lunch every day that, that seemed pretty nice yeah every uh, twitter employee gets free breakfast and free lunch in terms of the actual ballpark, AT&T Park, I would say it's my number three behind uh, PNC Park in Pittsburgh and Fenway Park in Boston. Really? Is Wrigley fourth? Uh, yeah, I think so. When's the last time you were at Wrigley? 2015? Um, I think I went to a game last year. With you? Well, maybe you're right. I think it was the Cubs-White Sox series in 2015. Yeah, maybe you're right. Um... They did just an amazing job with AT&T Park, kind of cramming it into such a small area, but the architecture is beautiful. You know, you walk away from that park and you just ask yourself, like, why can't every park be like this? Yep. Um, yeah, and, like, the food even was well done. You know, they had a ton of food trucks and unique options and just an amazing view of the the bay. So, yeah, I'd say it's definitely one of my favorites. Yeah, I think I put it second. Behind Wrigley and then in front of Fenway and PNC, I feel like those four, um, and then Dodger Stadium at that hmm. end. That's like a that's a solid five, and I I think there's a big drop off after that. Maybe Camden Yards, um, but yeah, I think those are your main five stadiums. Yeah, but what was like? Do you have a favorite thing about the park or? Yeah, so I th- we went to two games Monday and Tuesday nights. Monday night's game was great. Had a great pace to it. We saw Javi Baez's inside the Parker. We sure. were yeah, right in front of us, right above where that hit off the wall, and where the uh, Giants right fielder uh, made one of the best throws. <laughs> the The paper the next day they said it was in San Francisco. They said it was the uh, one of the top five throws ever at AT and T Park. Wow! So he d- didn't get Baez out at home, but it was an amazing throw. You know, from deep right field, one hopped to the catcher, right on the money. Uh, also, we were maybe 50 feet from where Bonds had his 756th homer. On the the 10-year anniversary to the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so right before the game, I looked over, and uh, there's the Bonds sign for 756. And I'd seen it before, and I looked at the date, and it was August 7th, uh, 2007. And it hit me. I was like, oh, today's August 7th, 2017. <laughs> it's the 10-year anniversary. We hadn't heard anything about that. Mm-hmm. And then maybe the third inning in, be- in between the Cubs and the Giants hitting, they played the video on the board, and then Bonds was in a suite, and they showed him. And maybe 10% of the crowd 
get on their feet to cheer. Mm-hmm. But it was such a bizarre moment. Uh, you can tell that there's still a lot of mixed feelings towards Bonds. Yeah, there was no booze, but it was definitely like just indifference. People just kind of confused as to how they should react to, to mm-hmm. Bond stuff. Tuesday night's game was was um, not as great. The Cubs lost, but it was just had a stale pace to it. And our seats were in the upper deck, so not quite as cool. I also had a grinding headache for the first three innings. <laughs> yeah, Paul had to get some uh, some Advil from the uh, first aid tent. The first time I've ever had to go to like the the health office at a at a park. <laughs> Overall, San Fran, uh, a nice place, but not somewhere I'd want to live. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I guess my main takeaway uh, was it kind of felt like a foreign country, like a beyond the baseball, like it. It felt almost like a China or someplace in Asia, like with the crowded um, houses and like just the fog and the cold. It just didn't feel like... Uh, didn't a, feel like California. Yeah. It didn't feel like I was in America. Mm-hmm. All right. Moving on to baseball. Uh, let's talk about the Rally Cat. So um, Wednesday night, you know, the Cardinals are playing a lot better. Uh, but they're losing to the Royals, mm-hmm. I think. And uh, a, a little kitten runs on the field. And the security guard picks it up. And it, it, as the security guard's running the cat off the field... It, it, security guard is a bit generous. <laughs> it bites the whatever, security the boy. summer intern. bites the intern in the arm. And then the next pitch, Yadier Molina hits a grand slam. Cardinals win that night. Uh, Thursday night they win on a Dexter Fowler grand slam. They win again Friday night. Mm-hmm. I think that's seven in a row. Uh, just one game back of the, the Cubs when we're recording this. By the end of the weekend, they could have, uh, you know, be in first place in mm-hmm. the NL Central. So what were your thoughts on the Rally Cat, Paul? It made big news. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think the it was a fun story. It was the, the statement that the Cardinals released, I felt like, was the most bizarre thing. Uh, later that night, via, like, social media, they released a really formal statement. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, acknowledging that the cat was caught by the security boy or whatever you want to call him, intern. But then uh, they actually lost the cat that mm-hmm. night. A, a like a random woman came and like almost like snagged it out of their hands and ran out of the park with it. And then she told the Cardinals later that night that she lost the cat mm-hmm. in St. Louis. And I and you just informed me that we have an update. Well, I have the statement here. I'd like to read. Uh, yes, a very formal, very weird, uh, August 10th, 2017. This is from the, the Cardinals official you know, Twitter account. The St. Louis Cardinals issued the following statement today regarding the hashtag rally cat from last night's game. As everyone observed during last night's game, Lucas Hackman, a member of our ground crew, secured this stray cat in the outfield and exited the playing surface on the left field gate and walked up towards the main concourse at gate three. He then let the cat down outside of gate three near the Stan Musial statue and went immediately to first aid to attend to his scratch and bite injuries. At that point, as our ushers tried to contain the cat, a fan grabbed it and claimed it was hers. After she left the ballpark, our security team caught up with her and asked her some questions. She then abruptly left with the cat. We understand from media accounts that the woman intended to take it home and care for it, but lost track of it in the city garden. We're hopeful someone will find the cat and contact us so we can properly care for it. Our grounds crew is working on developing a stray animal protocol <laughs> to, to ensure the safety of both crew and animal should this happen again. In the meantime, the Cardinals are looking to scratch and claw their way back to the top of the division standings. Yeah, the, the hashtag and the, the last sentence yeah, were just the two. Bizarre. That... Why, why are you issuing a statement on it? Just, I don't know. It yeah, came off really weird. Felt like they were trying to get ahead of like the animal rights activists that were going to come yeah. out. Yeah, and the update that you mentioned, Paul, they found the rally cat. I think uh, uh, Saturday morning, Friday morning, one of those. Yeah. They found it at three forty-five in the morning. It's volunteers, volunteers not, not are looking Cardinals. for the cat into the night, three forty-five a.m. They found the cat. How on earth did they know if this was the right cat? I think we have a meet the parents jinxy cat situation going on. Yeah, and then they they tweet out the picture of the, of the the cat that they think is the rally cat, and it's in a cage. It looks miserable. <laughs> Let it go. Yeah, between this story and then I don't know if you remember the story earlier this year when a, a fan in the upper deck was hit by a bullet. 
Oh, at, at, at Bush. That was fired like three blocks yeah. away. Can't yeah. can't trust St. Louis people. Uh, my stray cat story, uh, the story of juice. Nine years ago, about this time, exactly, Paul and I were preparing for our first game of our senior year of football. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, as we were stretching, getting ready, waiting. I believe it was actually the preseason exhibition game. Whatever. Our, our yeah, the, the preseason game before the actual season started. I noticed some kids were giving a kitten a hard time. It was up in a tree, scared to death. Some uh, some junior high kids, uh, maybe freshmen or sophomores in, in high school, were uh, taunting this cat, and it, it was it appeared very scared. And so I retrieved the kitten from the tree. It was a very young cat, and I felt bad for it, so I put the cat in our car, Ford Focus, rolled down the windows, and uh, played the football game. Uh, exhibition game, so it didn't last very long. After the game, uh, went to the car. I believe you mm. and Kate went on a date. With my favorite the, part of the story. With the cat in the car. Yes. My fed, fed fed Juice some ice cream. Girlfriend and wife, yeah, Kate and I, were planning on going on a date, and Peter insisted that we take the cat with us. That's right. Um, it was initially scared, so it just stayed in like the way back of the car, like kind of under the mm. window. Um, but then as, after we got ice cream, it grew much more warm to us and crawled to the front of the car and I think ate about half of Kate's ice cream. Uh, then we took it home, had a nice little pen for it. So it wasn't a total stray cat because it would be playful and I don't know. So maybe it came from a cat. No collar. With a family, outdoor cat or something. No collar. You could like toss the ball and it would chase it though. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and so we were doing that, but Paul tossed the ball too close to the house. My mom saw the cat and, uh, asked questions about it. And then, uh, much to my surprise, uh, she insisted that we bring it into the house as, as a member of the family. Yep. So we, we named the cat juice after, uh, Illinois quarterback juice Williams. That was kind of his peak time in champagne. So named it juice and it's been, in the house ever since mm-hmm. uh, nine years. Um, so that's the story of juice. I saved a cat. I don't know what his life would have been like without my intervention. Yeah. No, the, my like lasting image is you in a football, full football uniform, carrying a little kitten in your arms across the parking lot. I'm a sucker for kittens. Not a big cat guy, but uh, kittens, they hit my soft spot. So you think the cards will kind of embrace this? Throughout the rest of the year? Oh, probably. Probably. I mean, they have, if they release a statement with hashtag rally cat, they're, they're probably going to milk this for all it's worth. Yeah, I mean, getting into sort of some baseball talk, the Cardinals and Twins, two teams you both kind of assume are uh, out of it or you know don't really have a chance, uh, rattle off. Both are uh, both teams are 8-2 and two in their last 10 games. The Twins have the second wild card spot. The Cardinals are one game back of the Cubs. I think those are probably the two most exciting races heading into the, the pennant race. The AL wild card and the NL, NL Central. Central. Yeah, the NL Central. You have the what? The Brewers and Pirates are both three out too. So yeah, you have four teams within three games of each other. Yeah. Trout and Harper update. Big week for uh, the two best players in baseball, in my opinion. Bryce Harper homered on Monday night. That was his hundred and fiftieth. Homer of his career, he did it when he was 24 years and 295 days old. That is the same exact age as Mike Trout when he hit his 150th homer. Trout did it in about 70 less games than Harper. Harper, uh, of course, came up when he was, uh, I think, 20, mm-hmm. 20 years old. Harper came, or uh, Trout came up a little bit later. So that's crazy coincidence. Um, Trout actually turned 26 on Monday night as well and collected his 1,000th hit. So milestones uh, aplenty for both those guys. Uh, Trout has been amazing since his comeback after the All-Star break. 482 on base percentage. The Angels have actually won uh, four in a row as we Mm -hmm. record this. They're only a half game out of the wild card. And um, Trout and Anderson Simmons, who I'll talk about in a second, um, they're kind of the main reasons why. For the year, Trout is hitting 345 a 469 on base percentage and a 702 slugging percentage, 5.1 war. Uh, so if Altuve falls back, I think Trout is on his way to another 
MVP. Yeah, with Judge uh, regressing pretty bad the second half, yep. I, w- I would agree with you. Uh, Paul, can, how many of the uh, other 12 players to get to 150 before they turn 25 can you name? You know how I love these guessing games. I know. Um, I'm really going to press you on it. So, so Trout and Harper were the 13th and 14th players to get to 150 before turning 25. How many of the other 12 can you name? Mm, I'm going to say I can name like three. Mickey Go. Mantle. That's right. He had 173. Joe DiMaggio. Uh, no. <laughs> A-Rod. Uh, A-Rod's right. What's your... Griffey. That's right. What's your... Miguel like, Cabrera. What's your process for going... Rattle off four in a row. Boom, boom, boom. Cabrera's not on there. Cab- what's your Cab- men- What's your mental process for these guessing games? You just think of old baseball players? That's correct. Um, so you think Mickey Mantle. Oh, Yankees. Uh, Joe DiMaggio is a name I recognize. Right. Uh, Barry Bonds? No. All right. The other 12. Eddie Matthews had 190. Mel Ott, Jimmy Fox, Mickey Mantle, A-Rod, Griffey, like I said, Trout had 160 before he turned 25. Frank Robinson, Albert Pujols, Andrew Jones, Orlando Cepeda, Gene Carlos Stanton had 154. Johnny Bench and Bryce Harper. Andrew Ooh. Jones was a surprise. Yeah, he had a good start to his career. He ended with uh, 434 homers, though. So hmm. pretty good underrated career for Andrew. Uh, three guys I wanted to briefly touch on because they're having great years, and I feel like kind of getting... <laughs> Not enough attention. Derek Allen? <laughs> nope. Anderson Simmons, uh, 6.3 war, by far the best really? offensive year of his career. He's hitting 305. Fangraphs three, war? Three, no. Baseball reference. Hmm. 359 on base, 464 slugging. He is signed for three more years uh, through 2020. So good contract. And that was a good deal by the Angels. I think uh, they got um, kind of criticized at the time, but the prospects yeah. they gave up, I looked this morning. They haven't turned out to be anything for the Braves. And um, and Dansby's been... I know that wasn't that trade. But he yeah, was, yeah. He was the replacement. Bad, bad bad deal for the, the Braves. Uh, Giancarlo Stanton has a career high in homers. He hit his 40th on Friday nights, and he's got around uh, 45 games left. So he could uh, get to 50, or maybe even more with the pace that he's on currently. Tommy Pham, uh, he's been a big part of the Cardinals' resurgence. He has the rare 300 average, 400 on base, 500 slugging. Wow. That's kind of like the uh, what the NBA shooting percentage. What is it like? 50, oh. 50 or 40, 40 50, 50, and 90. 90 for uh, field goal, three-pointer, and free throw. Free throw, yeah. So Tommy Pham, good player. And, uh, yeah, just a typical Cardinals prospect that wasn't thought much of turns into a, a really good major leaguer. Yeah, same thing with uh, their second baseman, DeYoung. Yeah, is he playing short? Second and short, yeah. Uh, do you have anything else? Uh, personal update, I got a Shohei Otani jersey. Mm. It was the highlight of my week uh, after I got back from San Francisco. I had a coworker that went to Japan and uh, acquired the jersey for me. Um, $70 bowl spent. I believe he has a th- like a 13-game hitting streak right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he... He's only pitched once this year, uh, so there's some skepticism about whether he'll come over next year. I guess in um, Japanese culture, there's kind of a uh, an honor code where you you feel like you owe it to your team to go out on a high note. Yeah, I think like pretty much every Japanese player has come to America after a really good season mm-hmm. in Japan. So uh, there's yeah skepticism that he might stay one more year to finish his time out well. He's only 23, so that would still give him, you know, 10-plus years here. That would be big for the Cubs and White Sox because they're out of, uh, like, the international money. Yeah, if you're I, over... I was, I was reading those. Yeah, they, White Sox and Cubs pretty much would be completely out of the bidding if it was next year. If you're over the age of 25, uh, you're just considered kind of an international free agent, not like an amateur player. Uh, one last thing before we get to Summer Flicks. Uh I just wanted to talk through Major League Baseball's kind of dream playoff scenario. So what would lead to the best ratings? Last year, I think a Cubs-Red Sox World Series probably would have been best. Yeah, yeah what we got wasn't bad. but Oh, I, it was great. Yeah, Cubs, in, Cubs Indians with the droughts on both sides, uh, I think was, uh, you know, MLB would certainly sign up for that every year. 
40 million people watched a baseball game, which is um, unheard of and probably will never happen again. Mm -hmm. Right now, the Astros have the best record in the American League, but they are fading fast. White Sox swept them. Mm -hmm. Shout out to the kid at the game. You see the sign, uh, like, sweep the Astros, party like it's 2005. I did not see that, no. Best sign of the year. Good sign. Yeah, so uh, Astros are not playing well, not pitching well. But they still have the best record in the American League. So they will play the wild card winner, most likely. And that's, in my opinion, the best case is Yankees-Angels. Mm-hmm. You know, you got Mike Trout playing against the Yankees, New York market, at Yankee Stadium. That would be cool. Uh, second uh, would be Yankees-Mariners, because Robinson Cano, you'd have him making his return. And the Mariners haven't made the playoffs in 17 years? 18 years? Since 2001, right? Yeah, 16, I guess. Or 2002. 2001. Is it 2001 mm-hmm. when they won 116? Yep. And then the winner of that game will play the, um, like I said, the Astros most likely. And then you got Red Sox Indians, which is a rematch of last year. So that's a good good matchup for MLB National League. Most likely you have the Dodgers, who are 81 and 34, uh, which is just a silly record. Uh, they will play the winner of the Rockies and Diamondbacks, which is pretty much a given. Uh, both those matchups, I think, are solid. You know, ha- having the Dodgers play in chorus would be kind of fun. Mm-hmm. It's a fun uh, environment when it's full. But then, if it's the Diamondbacks, you get Zach Greinke making his return uh, against the Dodgers. For whatever reason, uh, one of my favorite like playoff atmospheres was Colorado back in 2008. Was yep. it when they won their run? Yep. Just seemed like an awesome postseason environment. Yep. And the Cubs and Nationals—that's a solid series. Um, or Cardinals Nationals or Brewers or Pirates Nationals. Um, so I think dream scenario, you've got a, a Red Sox-Yankees ALCS and a, a Nats-Dodgers NLCS and then a Dodgers-Red Sox World Series. I would still say that Major League Baseball would prefer Cubs-Dodgers. It's a, I feel like that's a little stale. you got a rematch of last year. Uh, if you got the Nats involved, you have uh, Bryce Harper involved, Max Scherzer involved. You've got DC, which is for better or for worse, kind of a, a happening place right now with uh, Trump. I just feel the Cubs, I mean, the Cubs are the biggest fan base in baseball. Yeah, they just haven't been very good this year, though. I know, but I think, you don't think a postseason run would, if they win the first round, if they get in, win the first round, I, I just yeah. think fans would be as nuts as last year. Hmm. Maybe. I just, uh, having Harper in a uh, NLCS would be a fun, fun thing. All right, uh, let's move on to Summer Flicks. Uh, so this year's category for year three of Summer Flicks was uh, baseball dramas. And we had a list of about 10 on our website that you could choose from. And we are going to select the winners from those that were submitted right now. Thanks for all the submissions. We appreciated your engagement with the contest. Uh, Paul, do you have the hat of names? I do. All right, drawing the first one. Oh, a shocker. David, three years in a row, wins. His selection was A Talent for the Game, a movie that you can find uh, exclusively on YouTube. So look forward to that. I've never heard of it. Do you have a, like, a basic plot line? Well, we'll play the trailer in a second here. But uh, yeah, I'm excited for that one. All right. Drawing number two. Scott from Iowa with Field of Dreams. That's a good selection, Scott. The third one, third and final spot, Matt from Minnesota with Pride of the Yankees. Uh, I don't believe this, Paul. We have an exact repeat from last year. So we've got a uh, uh, an NL playoff situation. <laughs> Dodgers, Cubs, Nationals all repeating. So, uh, you know, what are the odds of that? Crazy. Um So thanks for playing, everyone. We'll look forward to watching these movies and discussing them on the podcast over the next month or so. Uh, And be be on the lookout on our Twitter as well. We always live tweet our uh, our viewing experience. Yeah, you can either be on the lookout to watch us live tweet or unfollow us for like three hours while we live tweet. There you go. So David, a talent for the game. Scott, Field of Dreams. And Matt, Pride of the Yankees. We're just blanketing the Midwest with baseball. Got Iowa. Minnesota, Chicago. Chicago. Yes. 
All right, uh, so to carry us out and out of the box, here is the trailer from A Talent for the Game. Baseball scout for the California Angels, Virgil Sweet is a man in search of a very special dream. It's a player that just rises perfect right out of the earth. You don't have to learn like you and me. He's born to play. Hard part's finding him. It was then that Virgil found Sammy Bodine, a kid with a talent for the game. How good is my son? Mrs. Bodine, I've spent my whole life in baseball. I don't know anything else. He's the best I've ever seen. this kid before somebody else does. What'd you say this kid's name was? Bodine, Sammy Bodine. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you our newest angel, a gift from heaven, Sammy Bodine. You're a scout, Virgil. James almost Lorraine Brockhoff. All right, for Out of the Box this week, I have an article here from David Schoenfield, who writes at ESPN. He survived the, the layoffs, and he wrote a piece uh, called MLB's All Disappointment Team. I'm a, uh, I'm a sucker for these types of lists. You are. Uh, we're now at the point in the season where we can sort of start making uh, assessments if a player has a bad couple months, they can still turn things around. But if you have a bad four months, that probably means you're just having a crappy season. So Schofield put together his all-disappointment team list for this season. Uh, the pitchers. Pete, do you have any guesses? All-disappointment team pitchers. I'll give you Is a it, hint. Are like hint. our contracts based? One of them was your dark horse for Cy Young. <laughs> Is this uh, like factoring in contracts? Um, you've done those before too, like worst just, contracts. Just no, just kind of general excitement for these players before the season that has gone unmet. We saw Matt Moore pitch. He's having a terrible season. Yep, he's got three Giants: Matt Moore, Johnny Cueto, Jeff Samarja. He also has two Mets: Matt Harvey and Noah Syndergaard. Syndergaard's more because he's hurt. Harvey was because he was bad and he's been hurt. And then the relief pitcher Sam Dyson, who we also saw pitch in San yeah. Francisco. He's been better with. The Giants, right? A little bit. The lineup catcher, you have Jonathan Lucroy. First base, Miguel Cabrera. Second base, Rugnet Odor. Uh, third baseman, Michael Franco. Shortstop, Brandon Crawford. And then the outfield is Schwarber, Buxton, Carlos Gonzalez. And then the DH is Trumbo. The, uh, the most interesting ones to me are Lucroy. So the Rangers gave up last year one of their best prospects. Uh, Lewis Brinson, who's a top 15 prospect for the Brewers now, outfielder. Um, and even though Lucroy was good last year, he's just been downright awful this year. Out of the 31 catchers with 200 plate appearances this year, Lucroy ranks 29th in Fangraph's war. So he gave up a top 15 prospect for the third worst catcher in all of baseball. Miguel Cabrera is also interesting to me. His uh, baseball reference war is at negative 0.1. So he's been worse than a replacement level player, which is shocking for a guy who's two-time MVP. Uh, he's never finished lower than 13th in MVP voting. 
Um, so just a, a really bad season and um, likely kind of the beginning of the decline for him. And then Carlos Gonzalez is uh, interesting to me just because of how bad he's been. Um, I would guess, you know, uh, just based on what I know of him, he would have been a re- at least a replacement level player. At one point was one of kind of the, the best young players in the game. Uh, he ranks 155th of 159 players that have qualified for NOPS Plus, and his war is negative 1.6. So he's well on his way to being the worst player in uh, in baseball. You know, if you're below negative two WAR, you're you're doing something pretty terrible. So, an interesting list to me, um, Peter. Is there anyone you'd like to add to the list? Um, I mean, the Cubs, Addison Russell. Yeah, it's been very disappointing. Ben Zobris had a bad year. Dexter Fowler up until the last couple weeks. Uh, would have would have been high on my list. Yeah, he um he's hitting cleanup now through the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, that's a good list, Paul. Uh, my out of the box this week is about the Players Weekend, which is uh, two weeks away. Lots of fun stuff planned, but the most prominent thing will will that you'll notice if you watch games will be the uh, jerseys. So there's there's new jerseys for that weekend of games. And uh, the biggest thing is that players could pick the nickname to put on the back of the jersey. Mm-hmm. Um, so you could kind of do anything. And um, a lot of players had fun with it. It wasn't maybe as great as I was expecting. Uh, a lot of players uh, just chose <laughs> lame stuff. But my favorites, which I blogged about on the website, were Kyle Seeger of the uh, Mariners, who went with Corey's brother. Mm-hmm. Reference to Corey Seager with the Dodgers. Uh, Yoan Moncada went with Yo-Yo. And A.J. Ellis went with Dad, which I thought was uh, Did some fun. guys just go with their name? Yeah. yeah. Like John Lester, did he just go with Lester? Uh, I forget what he did. I know Lackey, I think, just did like Lackey. <laughs> some players just didn't want to have fun with it, which is pretty lame, in my opinion. Uh, David um, commented on that blog post with, historical players that he'd like to see jerseys of and i thought it was a really good list and i'm curious if there's any others you would add to this paul so mad dog for greg maddox big unit for randy johnson the kid for griffey that, that would be my favorite uh, iron horse for lou gehrig mr october reggie jackson rocket roger clemens another great one say hey kid willie mays sultan of swat babe ruth and Big Hurt for Frank Thomas. Yeah, that's a solid list. Two two more that I thought of, unconventional. Uh, Jordan, if you just put Goat on the back of his right. jersey. And uh, Tebow, if you put JC. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I like the Babe more than Sultan of Swat. What would be on the back of your jersey? Maybe Aroid for... Uh, what would be on the back of your jersey? Peter's brother. Mm. Sneaky P for me. <laughs> Sneaky P. There was a time where you didn't like that nickname. No, I didn't like Stinky Pete. <laughs> Sneaky Pete is good. No Pete. My nickname in high school was Scruffy. Um, I don't know. I never really cared for that. But I don't remember that being your nickname. Early on. I don't think it was that prominent. <laughs> Self-entitled nickname? Maybe. Uh, one other note. Uh, next weekend is the uh, Cardinals and Pirates game in Williamsport. So the Little League World Series, I think, begins this Thursday in Williamsport. There's been a lot of games leading up till now, uh, but those are just like regional qualifiers. The actual World Series in Williamsport begins this Thursday. And then the Cardinals and Pirates play a game in a minor league park in uh, in Williamsport next Sunday. Stadium only holds, I think, around 5,000 people, so it should be a fun environment. Uh, baseball did a similar thing last year when they played at a um, a military base. So they, they're into kind of making it a yearly thing to play a game at a unconventional environment. So that'll be fun and uh, kind of coincides with the, the players weekend, which is the weekend after that. So I think a, a really good move for, for baseball. I know the players association and MLB kind of thought of this together. And uh, I think it's just a, a good way to, to market the sport, promote it, 
and that should be a fun weekend. Yeah, there's a, like a fine line between you know the players' weekend and Williamsport of like being uh, gimmicky, mm-hmm. and I feel like n- neither of these things are that. So I think they've done a good job of not, uh, not becoming gimmicky. Yeah, but, but still, I, I don't even creative. think for baseball though. I think it's fine to be to like be uh, to lean on the side of gimmicky. A little bit, yeah. I know, I know you like enjoyed the uh, during the All Star game the interviews on the field mm-hmm. during the game. They were great. Like if that ever happened during an actual game, that would be that'd be over the top in my yeah, opinion. Not, not my opinion. So during like a a live game, yeah. If they had an earpiece with Harper, yep, it'd be great. Well, yeah, gimmicky in my opinion. All right, that is it for out of the box. Next up, TWTW. When you can put some of those categories, you know, you got your OBPS and all that, and the VORPs. When they put in TWTW and then interface those numbers with TWTW under that category, then you might have something cooking. What, what, what TW is? Yeah, what is that? That's the will to win. All right, I'm riffing uh, Craig Edwards of Fangraphs this week for TWTW. He did some excellent analysis earlier this week. We'll link to in our podcast episode page. Uh, But he analyzed three true outcomes, which for those that aren't aware, refer to uh, a home run, a walk, or a strikeout. So essentially any plate appearance that doesn't end with uh, a ball put in the field of play. And in his analysis, uh, he first lays out evidence that the three true outcomes has increased significantly over the last decade. We've gone from 26% of all plate appearances in 2005 ending in a home run walker strikeout to nearly 34% this year. That's a 30% increase in just the last 12 years. Um, and then the, the real meat of his analysis and what I want to focus on is uh, whom is driving that change or what is driving that change. <laughs> Um, whom whom is changing what person god uh so uh, let me read a quote from him here uh, based on his research he concludes that young players are driving the increase in three true outcomes in two ways first young players percentage of plate appearances that end in one of the three true outcomes is increasing at a higher rate than the rest of the league second these same young players are seeing a significant increase in the number of plate appearances they're receiving. Their home runs are outpacing those increases in terms of their overall share, but as we can see from the final column, the homers per plate appearance isn't that large compared to the rest of the league on the whole and doesn't come close to explaining the increase in three true outcomes. Why this is happening is a question for another day, but in terms of who is responsible for the increase in three true outcomes, it's those damn kids. Hmm. So uh, young players are getting more and more plate appearances, and those same young players are three true outcome players. They're guys that only walk, strike out, and hit homers. Um, just for fun here, I have the, the top 10 list of three true outcome guys for 2017. Um, any, uh, any guesses, Pete? Uh, uh, Joey Gallo. Gallo is first with an astounding 59%. Um, which is just insane. 31 homers. Uh, other, uh, uh, Mark Trumbo, is he up there? Trumbo is not on the he list. He hasn't hit many homers He would have been last year. Your top five is Gallo, Aaron Judge. Bellinger. 56%. Bellinger is 10th at 46%. You also have Miguel Sano, Eric Thames, Chris Davis, Trevor Story, Mike Napoli, Steven Sousa Jr., which is an interesting one. He's got 24 bombs, surprising. And Mark Reynolds. So, yeah, you can see the the young guys, especially at the top of that list, Gallo, Judge, and uh, Sano. Um, so, so, yeah, I just thought that was interesting. You know, we're seeing uh, kind of a new type of hitter emerge. One that is interesting to me, but I don't know if I love. I think baseball is most exciting when uh, a defense is working and um you know if you're only hitting home or striking out and walking then there's not a ton of actual gameplay so we'll see where this develops down the road all right that was twtw next up sounds of the game the 2-2 pitch on the way Sergio Deal slider hit in the air to left center coming over is Pagan he puts it away 
And the Giants are the wild card team. The city is going wild, appropriately enough, and they are heading for New York. No runs, one hit for the Dodgers, who managed to leave four men on base because they were the only four they got on base. The Giants in the Western Division are 45 and 31. The Dodgers are 43 and 33. So inside the division, they certainly were the better team. That was awfully nice. The umpire just stood up and said goodbye, as I am saying goodbye. Seven runs, 16 hits for the winning Giants. One for one for the Dodgers. The winner, Matt Moore. The loser, Kenza Maeda. I have said enough for a lifetime. And for the last time, I wish you all a very pleasant good afternoon. That was Vince Scully calling his final out uh, of his career, and that happened at AT&T Park. thought that would be fitting with our trip to San Fran this past week. And I'll continue the, the common thread here of AT&T Park. Our two clips uh, are two of the most prominent uh, moments in AT&T Park history. The first one is Dwayne Kuyper, who does uh, Giants TV, one of the best uh, in the game. And uh, this is him calling Bonds' 756th homer. We've played it before, uh, first times of the game, um, but that was like 50 episodes ago. So going back to the well uh, because it's such a great call. Deals. And Bonds hits one high. Hits it deep. It is out of here. 7.56. Bond stands alone. He is on top of the all-time home run list. What a special moment for Barry Bonds. And what a special moment for these fans here in San Francisco. There it is. The other clip that I have is John Miller who does Giants Radio. Uh, this one comes from the 2014 NLCS. Travis Ishikawa hit a walk-off three-run homer to beat the Cardinals in Game 5 of the NLCS that year. This was the Giants' uh, third World Series in five years. Of course, the even years, 2010, 2012, and 2014. Also one of Mike Matheny's biggest blunders. Yeah, he pitched Michael Waka for the first time in like a month, mm-hmm. over a month, brought him in the ninth, ninth inning in that game, and he proceeded to give up three runs. Uh, I thought this would be good because uh, it's a cool moment at AT&T, but also it's good to uh, uh, just get the Cardinals back on the level <laughs> that they should be. I'm I'm surprised you didn't make any Tony Larissa cat connections when we were talking about the I, yeah, rally kitten earlier. I should have, I should have. All right, here is uh, John Miller calling the end to the 2014 NLCS. Now the stretch. Here it comes. Swing, and there's a drive deep into right field. Way back there. Goodbye! A home run for the game and for the pennant. The Giants have won the pennant. And Travis Ishikawa is being clobbered by his teammates as he comes down the third base line and he is mobbed at home plate. It's Travis Ishikawa. Travis Ishikawa with the Bobby Thompson moment. A walk-off home run to win the National League pennant by Travis Ishikawa. What a moment for the unlikely Giants left fielder for the biggest games here in 2014. Ishikawa got ahead in the count, and that ball went out to the center field end of the Willie Mays wall out there, right near the 365-foot marker, and it really didn't matter if it went out of the ballpark or not because the game was over. If it got over the head of the outfielder, Arias was going to score, but that one just kept on going. Unbelievable. Let me catch my breath. A 2-0 count. Michael Walker had thrown six balls in a row. He had to come in, and a lot of guys would say, take a pitch. Let that pitcher prove to you he could throw a strike. 
But a lot of hitting coaches say get a good pitch to hit. Travis Ishikawa got the pitch of his life, and he did not miss it. Closing out the podcast here. Appreciate you listening. Uh, next few weeks, we have uh, Summer Flicks. So we'll have uh, Scott, Matt, and David on to discuss the movies that we watched with them. Uh, so you can look forward to that. Um, next week, we'll also have a guest on. I'm, I'm hoping for someone from the Little League World Series. It'd be kind of fun to, to talk to someone that is there. Uh, we, of course, have never been to the Little League World Series. Kind of a, in my opinion, a weird event to attend if you don't have a child playing. Yeah, I would agree, but I've heard from a couple people like it's it should be on your baseball bucket list. It's just weird to to uh, watch these kids play that are like whatever, 11, 12 years old, mm-hmm. and uh, certainly not getting paid to play, but they're like, you're, you're rooting for them, and it's just a weird environment. Uh, anyway, we'll we'll have someone from that game next week. Uh, 2005 MVP Baseball. Paul, we need to get back. Yeah, we've taken a little break. Yeah, Paul's up 7-1. to one. Uh, We only have 13 more games to play over the last uh, 50 days of the regular season. We have to play some doubleheaders. Uh, all right. Well, you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Make sure to leave us a review there if you haven't already. You can find us on Stitcher, Google Play, and SoundCloud. Send us emails at afootinthebox at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at afootinthebox. And check us out online at afootinthebox.com. Paul, you have anything else? As always, appreciate you listening and a reminder to keep a foot in the box. We'll talk to you next week. Jinxie, say hello to Greg. Hi, Jinx. Wave to Greg. Hello, Jinx. Atta boy. <laughs> that took me another week. Oh, my gosh. Bam, I didn't know you had a cat. Yeah, I left him here when I moved to Chicago. Your daddy's found his new best friend. Really? <laughs> you oh. won't believe it. He even taught him to use the potty. Yeah, that's kind of weird, isn't it? What's so weird about it? Now we don't have to smell kitty litter all the time. That's right. Right, Jixie? That's incredible. So how did you teach the cat to use the toilet? Well, that was easy, Greg. I just designed a a litter box to put inside the toilet, and then once he got used to it, I took it away. Oh, that's, yeah, makes sense. But I don't think he likes it very much. I mean, every chance he gets, he tries to dick, squat, and bury. I had to move all my potted plants off the floor. Plus, you got another guy around the house to leave the seat up. (laughs) Hmm. He can't lift the seat, Greg. He lacks the strength and the opposable thumbs. Ah, right, opposable. Didn't think about that. Jake's is strictly a house cat. You can't let him outside because he also lacks outdoor survival skills. That's just one of those things, isn't it, sweetheart? I don't think Greg will be playing with Jinxie too much. He hates cats. (laughs) Pam, I don't hate cats. I don't, I don't hate cats. I just happen to be more of a dog lover. That's all. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's okay if you hate cats, Greg. No, I don't. I don't hate cats at all. That's okay. Just be honest about it. There's some things I hate. I, I'm being honest, really? Like what? <sighs> Honey, why don't we let the kids freshen up, huh? Greg, you'll come with me. We'll get you something to wear from Jack.